You are listening to the weekly podcast of Transformation Life Church in Muskegon, Michigan. We pray you enjoy today's message. I'm going to fix your women's Bible study for a minute. I've been wrestling with God for about mm, a couple days. And um, I'm going to give you all grace this week. But starting next week, every night of the week, next week at 6 o'clock, we'll be in this sanctuary. We'll be in this tabernacle. If you want to be here, you'll be here. If you don't, then don't. But we're going to be in here, and we're going to be praying, and we're going to be fasting, and we're going to be interceding for what God wants to do. For the next, starting not this week, Monday, but the following Monday. Listen, I was going to cancel everything this week. But I'm like, I'm just giving in to you. I might even be disobedient, to be honest with you. I might be disobedient. But I saw the list of the guys going to the social bowl, and I'm like, I love guys to get together and get to know each other. I do, I do. So I don't want to, I want to let that happen. But the following week, you can forget about having men's Bible study and you can forget about having women's Bible study. And we're going to be in here. And I would love to have as many of you that are hungry. If you're not hungry, maybe just come out and get hungry. Maybe you just need something to get you hungry. I don't, I don't know, but I sometimes I still feel like we're just stuck. Am I the only one that feels that way? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you're up here with me, so I get to look at you. <laughs> I feel like we're stuck. He needs a mic. If I show up here next week and there ain't a mic up here, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just telling you. We'll figure out how. I know we don't have enough cordless mics, so we can set them up. I'm just telling you, I feel like we're, we're, I think we're, I think we have a desire for something, but not sure we want to do it. I, I, I just, how I, this is what I, I sense in my spirit, I just feel like, it's like, yeah, let's, let's go, God. Uh, but you do it, God. I, I just want to stay the same. I, I just want to be me that I've always been. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with me. You know, I'm just, I'm just comfortable with me. And I, I, I don't really want to be different than me because I don't know how to be different than me. But God wants to take us somewhere where we are different than who we are. Because he has said in his word that we go from where? Glory to glory. 
we change. We change into the image and likeness of our King, of our Savior, of our Master, of our Lord. So many times we accept him as Savior and deny him as Lord. I, I know there is a, I just feel it in my bones, man. It's like, it's like uh, Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like that. I feel it in my bones. I feel an explosion of God's presence. A manifesting of who he is. So we, lo we love to focus on the manifestations of the devil. I, I get it. I'm not against it. But I'd love to see the manifestation of God. Because you know what the manifestation of God is? The manifestation of something is the revealing of it. It comes to light. It comes to focus. I want to see the manifestation of God. God. The infinite wonder. God, who casts stars into the sky. God, who says the earth is a footstool. God. You can't even think of, you can't even imagine. That's okay, neither can I. But why not try? Why not try to expand our comprehension of who he is? Why don't we try to become more in line and in tune with who God is than the world we live in? Why is the things of this natural realm more prevalent in our life than the things of the supernatural realm when the supernatural realm is the realm in which our God lives and inhabits? And he says to us, come up hither, come up to a heavenly place and sit with me. And we're like, no, you know, it's more comfortable down here. You know one of the biggest lies ever told to the church and they bought it? Is that you can be more too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. They bought it. They bought it. The reason that they said that is because they were so selfishly heavenly minded. So they were no earthly good. So they came up with a doctrine. And because they were out of alignment, and because they were selfish, and because they didn't know how to walk in his presence and walk in his glory, they came up with a saying to keep everybody else from trying. Don't, don't try to be heavenly minded. Don't, don't try to be full of the Spirit. 
Don't try to walk after the Spirit. You can't do it. Your Bible says that if we walk after the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of our flesh. If the Bible says that, then there must be an opportunity for us to walk in the Spirit. He wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. Your Bible wouldn't say to pray without ceasing if it was impossible to pray without ceasing. That would make him a liar. And he's not a liar, and his word is forever settled. Satan's a liar, and he makes up these things, and we buy them. You say, well, I don't buy them. Oh, you're paying a bigger price when you accept them than you imagine. You bought them. You bought them. You paid such a big price for them, you don't even understand what it has cost you. But you bought them. We've all bought them. And we look back and we think, what happened? What happened to that glorious church from the book of Acts? How did we get here? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it's like you look at the book of Acts and you see the outpouring of the, sp the Spirit of God. You see the passion come in. You see the love of God come in. You see the church being added to daily. You see them coming into all, having all things in common. You see them just connecting and connecting and connecting. And now all of a sudden, here we are, and we look nothing like that. Nothing. And we, and, we just, and we just say, well, you know. Do, do you know they started spreading rumors that the resurrection had already occurred? So don't look towards the great taking away that's talked about in 1 Thessalonians. The resurrection's already occurred. Jesus already came back. The things that people make up. Hey, that's preached today. Want me to give you the list? We probably watch them online because they got big ministries. I mean, if you got a big ministry, you can't possibly be lying. Got to be true. The church in the book of Acts was the model. The church in the book of Acts was the purest that church had ever been and has ever been because it was right at the inflection point of Christ going to heaven and sending his Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit that will guide us in all truth. They didn't have a lot of doctrine. They didn't have a lot of written word. They didn't have a lot of these things to look at. They had the Spirit of God that 
rose up like a fire on the inside of them and motivated them to go about and do kingdom business. Kingdom business starts with one thing, repentance. The disciples had to repent to Jesus for their lack of faith when they watched him crucify. Right? And he says, well, repent and get on with it. He didn't drag it out. He didn't say you had to go get a, and say something for 30 days. And he, he, he didn't say go pay penance somewhere. He, he, didn't, he didn't say that. He, sa he just said this. He said, Peter, do you love me? That's all he said. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I do. Then feed my sheep. What does that mean? Do what I've told you to do. Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel. Mark chapter 1. Chapter 1, early. Verse 14 and 15. Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the kingdom of God. How many like to see the kingdom of God established? The beginning says this. After John, John the Baptist, the one that was the forerunner to the Messiah, the one whose ministry was to call them to repentance. I wish some churches would preach about this. I wish we'd stop talking about how God has such a great giving God that he'll give you a new car and a new house and you'll forever be walking in comfort because you've accepted him. And then every time something doesn't go right, we run from God and then we say we can't stand it because, you know, he's not a God that takes, does what he's supposed to do. Because when I accepted him in my life, I didn't get everything my way. He never said you'd get everything your way. Our ways are not the ways of God. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, whose purpose to be on the face of the earth was to bring back the people to repentance so that the kingdom of God could come forth. It says in verse 14, after John was in prison, yeah, he got it his way. 
I'm sure he dreamed of it as a young boy. I can't wait till I'm in prison. I know God's called me to prison ministry. I need to go there. Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. We ought to jump up and down and say, great, the kingdom of God is at hand. But then he goes on. Maybe we should just wipe that part out. You know when you can stop repenting? When you stop sinning. That's what my pastor says. I was like, man, that's, that's deep theology there. When can you stop repenting? Do you know if you believe that you can live any way you want and still get to heaven, you'll stop repenting. And when you stop repenting, the, I, I don't want to go down there right now. But he says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Ye and believe the gospel. Believe it. Whatsoever things you shall say and doubt not, you shall have. Unless you're in unforgiveness, in unrepentant, then you've got to leave the altar. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm supposed to be at the altar. I'm supposed to be at the foot of Jesus. I'm supposed to be. No, his word says if you're in unforgiveness, if you're not repentant, you need to leave that and go Oh, but I'm at the altar. Yeah, you're at the altar, but you're in rebellion. At the altar. Because what he speaks to you there, you have no intention of doing. I mean, if you're visiting today, I'm really sorry. Good God, you picked the right day to be here. Come on. Turn with me to Second Timothy. Second hmm. Timothy, a book written by Paul. A book written by Paul while in prison in Rome. I'm sure he asked Jesus for a prison ministry too. Because God, you're just going to make my life easy. If I preach your word, if I just do what you say, my life is going to be easy. I'm going to walk in blessed assurance. He is in prison. And you know what? It didn't shake his faith. Ha! We, gotta, we, got, we can't just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. Right? He you got to read that he wrote the book of 2 Timothy while he was in prison and he was doing something to bring forth 
another person into the fullness of their calling in Christ Jesus while in prison. He didn't sit in prison and whine and say, God, why am I here? He said, I don't care if I abound or I abase. I don't care if I have everything or I have nothing. What a concept. I believe in prosperity. Believe me, I do. I believe in sowing and reaping. I believe in everything they set up here doing the offering. I believe in it. I sow because of that. We sow, we sow our tithes in advance of being paid. We, we sow, I, I know I shouldn't say this because some people will think I'm bragging. We sow when we don't get paid what we should have been paid. But I also know that God has never forsaken us. Never. When we were on the brink of losing everything, he made a way. When we didn't know if we were going to have a house to live in the next week, he made a way. And you know what? The man with the experience is not subject to the man with the ridiculous arguments. Listen to the arguments. They're ridiculous. All they'll say is, that ain't true. Really? Why do you say that? Because it's not. Well, that was, that was deep evidence. <laughs> you, you, you ever had them conversations? Because it's not. Had one with a guy the other day. I don't believe in Jesus. Okay. Why? Because I was reading these books, and they said he's not real. I said, well, I read this book that says he is real. Well, you're wrong. I said, well, I'm getting my information the same way you're getting your information. What makes your information right and mine wrong? I'm not arguing with you. I'm not arguing with you either. I'm asking a question. I'm not arguing. I'm asking you read something and you believe it. If you read something different, would you believe that? No. <laughs> Deep arguments. Deep research. So Paul's writing, he's in, he's in the prison in Rome. My God, it's 12 o'clock already. Hmm. <laughs> Come on, Pastor Jimmy gave me 12 on Friday. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 2, go to verse 14.
You know, I jump up to verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Imagine, endures all things. What? Verse 10, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. I moved up. Moving on up to the top. <laughs> Don't quit my day job, right? <laughs> uh, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. Think about enduring something so that somebody you know, yeah. hmm, Come on, I wasn't planning on touching on this one, but you endure some stuff in the grace of God because you know when you endure and you stay faithful that there's going to be somebody else that can come into the knowledge of salvation and the glory of God because you endured. You endured. If we die with him, we shall also live with him him. He's writing this while in prison. I don't see any whining. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Wow. But then he comes back with this one. I'm sure we can blot this one out too. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Hmm. But here's how great he is. If we were unfaithful, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. All right, verse 14. An approved workman. Remind them of these things, commanding them before the Lord, that they are not Argue, or that they not argue about words which leads to nothing of value and to the destruction of those who hear them. Yeah, you know what I say a lot? So don't get mad at me if I've said it to you because I'll guarantee you if I said it to you, I've said it to a lot. Shut up! We argue over things that lead to nothing. The church does that. We're divided into 15,368 denominations. I don't know if that's a real number. I just made it up. <laughs> and we separate these things all out, and we start arguing about them. Well, I don't believe in mid-trib. I don't believe in pre-trib. I don't even believe in the rapture. I don't believe in speaking in tongues. It's in the Bible. Yeah, but that went away with the apostles. Really? Yeah, because the Bible says tongues will cease. Yeah, it says that in the same verse that says so will knowledge. So apparently knowledge is gone because you don't believe in speaking in tongues. No, I, I, that was rude. I'm just saying that we take things and create arguments 
when there's no purpose to the argument. But then we have the world, because we do this in a coffee shop, or we do it on the shop floor, or we do it somewhere else, because what's more important is that people know how good I am and how I have my right to do whatever I want to do, and it's all about me and not about him, and we want to prove that it's all about me and not about him, so we'll argue about things while the unsaved are sitting around and listening, and then they say, I don't want to be with that bunch of fools, and they walk away from salvation, and they walk into damnation, and they walk into a lifestyle that leads them to hell because the church is so selfish, they don't care about laying down things for God. They don't care. I got a right to argue. How about arguing about something that's important? How about you arguing with your own mindset? How about the next time you wake up and say you're not worthy, you argue with yourself and get it right? Study to show yourself approved by God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but avoiding profane, foolish babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Y'all wonder why ungodliness is spreading across the earth? Have you ever thought maybe it's because the church is so busy babbling and stuff and not really saying anything that's true to the Word of God so ungodliness grows because they're fed up with a powerless Pentecost and a church with no passion and a church with no conviction? Well, I believe you don't believe. You have no conviction. No conviction means you don't really believe. Because if you, if you had conviction, you'd stand with it. You know, there's a teaching out there about the generations. The first generation is moved by conviction. The next generation is moved by belief. The next generation is moved by questioning. It's okay if you just believe. No. No. Satan believes and he trembles. We believe and we sit in comfort. It's not okay to just believe. We need a conviction. We need a fire. We need something that causes us to change. And their word was spread like gang green. <laughs> Among them are uh, Heminus and Philetus. I don't know how you say them. If you can pronounce them better than me, you'll be good. Who have erred concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already occurred, and how overthrowing the faith of some. So they believed one thing, and what they believed they taught, and it overthrew the faith of some. But the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. 
The Lord knows those who are his. <laughs> Come on. Does it matter what you go through if God knows you're his? And let everyone who calls on the name of Christ depart from iniquity. What is iniquity? Mm. It's a little different, but it's sin. I'll get into that in a little bit. In a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay. Some are for honor and some are for dishonor. One who cleanses himself from these things will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, fit for the master's use, and prepared for every good work. So, flee youthful desires. Youthful desires has nothing to do with age, has everything to do with maturity. You might want to write that down. It's not about age. It's about maturity. Flee youthful desires and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and unlearned debates knowing that they create strife. Your Bible says in Proverbs that where there is strife, there is every evil work. The servant of the Lord must not quarry, quarrel, but must be gentle towards all people, able to teach, patient, in gentleness, instructing those in opposition. Perhaps God will grant them repentance to know the truth, and they may escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Let me read that to you again. We must not quarrel, but must be gentle towards all people, able to teach, patient, in gentleness, instructing those in opposition Perhaps God will grant them. Perhaps God would grant them repentance to know the truth. And they may escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That we would walk in a way that would cause others to grab a hold of repentance. And in turn, because they grab a hold of repentance, they get to spend eternity in a place where God designed for them. Heaven, a place where there's peace, a place where pain is no more, 
heaven instead of spending eternity in hell that God did not create for mankind. Stop thinking that some people just deserve to go to hell. He didn't create hell. His Bible, his word says that hell keeps expanding itself. But he didn't create it for people. It was created for the devil and his angels. Not for people. Repentance. I'm just going to go over this real quick. Becca, you got them slides. Did I? You got them slides I sent you. Throw the first one up there. There are three dimensions to repentance. Number one, true repentance is a change in our emotions. This is where the church dwells 98% of the time. The Greek word, however you say that, is up there. <laughs> Anybody want to volunteer? True repentance is a change in emotion. A lot of times we come up to this altar and the spirit of repentance comes in and it starts with our emotion. But if we stop it there, we're not totally repentant. True repentance first involves changing one's emotion. This word, we can find it in the Bible when references were made in different chapters, in different verses. And I lost my place. I got it in here. Um, oh, Matthew 21, verse 28 through 32. This is why I don't like notes, because I get lost in them. Jesus uses this word in the parable of the two sons in describing the son who at first says he would not go work in his father's vineyard, but later, but afterwards, he regretted it and went. He felt sorry. He repented in his emotion. He felt sorry.
the Apostle Paul uses this word when he explains the principle of true, true repentance is a change of an emotion in his second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 8 through 10. He says in there, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 8 through 10, Now I rejoice that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Sometimes we get godly sorrow and we want to make it out to be something of the devil. We need wisdom. We need discernment. Jesus walked around, and I, I get it. He walked around and he cast out devils all the time. But he also walked in fullness of knowledge and wisdom, and, and he, had, he had it all figured out. He walked in unity with the Father. He didn't do anything the Father didn't show him or tell him to do. He, he just didn't do it. He didn't say anything the Father didn't tell him to say. But we are not Jesus. Not saying we can't walk in the anointing of God, but we need to work on discernment. Because sometimes we're trying to cast out a devil that's not a devil. And then there's those on the other side that don't believe a devil even exists. So you got that too. But sorrow. Somebody comes in and says, I'm just feeling sorrowful. Well, let me cast that devil out of you. Really, what if it's the sorrow that leads to godliness and brings them to repentance? You want to remove what God is putting in them to bring them to a place of repentance because we don't want to operate in the fullness of God. We want to operate in pride. I'm saying something today. You better listen. Next slide. Second part of repentance is that Greek word. Have fun. You see, everybody, this guy here, he just graduated college. Come on. He is overcoming odds like you wouldn't believe. I don't know why you're drinking Mountain Dew in front of me. <laughs> I'm not supposed to drink Mountain Dew anymore, and he's out here in the second row drinking Mountain Dew in front of me. Lead me not into temptation. <laughs> Deliver me from evil. <laughs> what? You're going to go to sleep on my preaching? True repentance is a change of mind. 
It literally means to think differently. So we go through our first phase of repentance. There's an emotional work that then brings in a place of decision. Right? Decision. Am I going to think differently than I used to? You can find this word in 2 Peter 3, 9. You can find it in Luke 13, 1 through 5. You can find them. You can look these up. I ain't got time. We're already at whatever. 2 Peter 3, 9 and Luke 13, 1 through 5. In the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, we all know that one in Luke 16, 19 through 31, the rich man tells Abraham that his brothers would not repent or change their minds unless one went back from the dead. How many remember that story? Change their minds towards God or change their minds towards riches or change their minds towards righteousness or perhaps change their minds about afterlife. They wouldn't change their mind if somebody came back from the dead. Some people are just there. They're not going to change their mind. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. First, they changed their emotions. We can look at the church of Corinth. They changed their emotions, and then they went from puffed up to sorrow. This is New Testament church. They were full of pride. And God had to bring in a change in their emotions, bring them into a place of sorrow so they would repent and then move them from pride to humbleness. And, you, and that's a change of your thinking. It was the devil whose thought I will ascend, right? I, I, I. Did he do it? No, he only thought it. Are you catching what I'm saying? He only thought it. Pride is here. What's here, it manifests itself in our outward action, but pride is here. Cast down every imagination contrary to God. The devil said, I will, I will, I will. There was no truth in what he was saying. There was no way it was going to happen. But in his mind, <laughs> that's just crazy, isn't it? We think it's crazy when we think about the fact that Satan thought he was going to be higher than God. We think it's crazy, but then we do that ourselves. We just deny it. I would never. Your actions 
show what you think. Right? And then the third part of true repentance is a word that is used in the Bible. Go ahead, throw it up there. It's there somewhere. Number three. No. You can read it quietly so you don't embarrass yourself like I'm not embarrassing myself. <laughs> Self-preservation not reading these, I'm just saying. True repentance is a change in actions. Don't say you're sorry and keep doing the same thing because you have not repented. See, there's a lot of people that say this is repentance. You're walking this way. <laughs> and then you repent and you turn around and you walk this way. It's, it's a great example, but there's more to repentance than that. There's an emotional repentance that brings you into a mindset change that brings you into a change in your actions. It gets in you. It gets in you. You know what? It becomes a habit to walk in repentance. Did you just hear what I said? It becomes a habit to walk in repentance. And when we walk in repentance, <laughs> Acts chapter 3, Peter called and said, Repent, therefore, and be converted. What does that mean? It says, Repent, change your mind, therefore, and be converted. Change your actions that your sins may be blotted out. I believe that we're going to see one of the greatest moves of God this city has ever seen. I'm just, I believe it with everything in me. Listen, you think I'm preaching. You know, I know this. You could go anywhere and hear a better message about something that would make you comfortable. I get it. I get it. And I wrestle sometimes with it. I'm like, God, why is this what you are giving me? But let me just say this, that until we begin to walk in true repentance and our minds are now changed so that our actions become different, we'll never walk in the fullness of the power of God. And we need the power of God because witchcraft has made itself prevalent to kids from the ages of two to whatever. There is a generation wandering around that thinks the paranormal, paranormal, whatever you call that word is, but they think that's normal. 
they think it's normal to see things flying around a room. And you, they come out with a movie called Harry Potter. Yeah, whoever just said that. Come out with a movie called Harry Potter and, and 78 to 80% of the church is sending their kids. That's all right. It's a Disney. It's all right. It's just Disney. Oh, don't be preaching no straight line gospel full of legalism. I'm not going to preach a gospel full of legalism. I don't want to be in a box. I said that before. You put me in a box when I'm done living. That's the only box I'm going in. I'm going in a box till then. I don't believe that there's anything that God has to be constrained to or where. But we better get ourselves right. Because God forgive that we would be the sons of Sceva. And try to do something out of pride. Thinking we are so full of, a, of God when we're full of ourselves. Because we really don't cry out. Listen, if you're not crying out. Listen, I'm going to say this and I mean it with all my heart. If you're not crying out for the lost. Don't you dare think you're going to stand up and deliver the lost. You are not ready. You are not ready. Don't get mad at me. I'm trying to save your life. Maybe once in a while you ought to just look at me and say, maybe he is prophetic and he knows what he's talking about. Maybe, just maybe. And I don't stand here and say that out of some kind of pride. But I'm going to tell you this. If you're not crying out, if you're not shedding tears, if you're not on your knees, if you're not in just broken over the broken, then don't bother trying to stand up and demonstrate something you don't have. I'm trying to motivate you to get a broken heart. I'm trying to motivate you to get, to get humbled under God's mighty hand. I'm not, try, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not. I care. I care. Because I cry out. Because I sit here sometimes for hours. Sometimes this book is sitting here, and all I do is this.
can we just give God a few minutes? Can we just humble ourselves in His presence? God, I don't want to be full of myself. God, I don't want to be a church <laughs> that we're full of ourselves, oh God. Pour your spirit out, O oh God, that brings us to a place of godly sorrow. That we would turn towards you. And we would begin to change the way we think and the way we act. That we would get a broken heart by the things that break your heart, O oh God. God, let us repent, oh God, from even our inaction. Let us repent that we don't pray as we should. Let us repent that we're not in your word as we should be, God. Let us repent that we do not worship you with everything that is in us, oh God. Let us repent, oh God. But let that repentance, O oh God, go so deep that it's not just an emotional experience at the altar that doesn't bring change. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.